0: that little sparkle of kind of bass fret noise sound whatever it is that you're hearing direct from the mic that isn't coming from the amp kind of reminds me of when Tim Miller I'm just trying to find this now in the archive when Tim Miller started recording having a little mic on his, on the guitar so he could get the, the noise of the pick. Let me see if I can find a good example of that. Nope, that's some shell. Mm. You can kind of hear it there a little bit. Be good to get him where he's playing on his own though, actually. Ah, you hear it there a little bit too. This is from his album Trio, uh, that was uh, Untied and Shift. I'm hearing a hum as well, maybe. We're just hearing all the uh, all the noises today. But I kind of like that. Maybe not when it gets too clanky, but there's just something about that bright sparkle, especially with these are uh, newest strings. These went on yesterday, I think. Yeah, maybe I'll try setting up a microphone sometime, kind of close to the instrument when I'm recording. Anyway, bit of a ramble to open the podcast with. It's Sunday, again, it's a Sunday podcast, and uh, I don't know, it's freezing here in Southern California. It's my second practice session of the day. It's about 2.30 in the afternoon here. And I was just thinking that although, as I've mentioned in a couple of previous episodes, I've been going more with this front pickup. In passive mode. I'm also... Kind of aware of that it's not maybe just a complete change it's not just a departure from my regular sound but maybe an expansion of my range on the sound of the with, with the sound of the instrument and that this now i'm back to the both pickups and active mode maybe this is uh something i need to work on in parallel an equal amount uh, these are the kind of things I think about uh, before I start practicing, you know, what what am I going into the practice routine to accomplish and hopefully I'm spending the time with the instrument with the right intent for the desired goal. Um, and as always, this is not sponsored by Zit Recruiter or the Cash App or undies or whatever these whatever <laughs> insert joe rogan style uh sponsor podcast sponsor here no this is uh, i'm going to take this few seconds just to remind you of the new book from practice to performance that's out uh all the books are at yannickwuzdala.com don't forget if you bundle them together you save a fortune um, and if you're old school kind of like me and and you like to hold the physical book in your hands you can go to amazon.com they ship worldwide amazingly fast which is really cool i guess that's why jeff bezos takes 40 percent of every sale i make but it's hard to argue with that with that customer service and uh and that shipping time so yeah all the books amazon or at yanikguizdala.com And also, don't forget Yannick's Bass Studio, Studio.com if you want to come and take some, get some video lessons, all kinds of stuff going on there. Okay, I'll shut up now about that stuff and uh, get into what the intent is that I am stepping into this portion of the day with. I always, I often talk. Uh, I've been talking about this on Twitch a little bit, sometimes in the podcast about. Uh, of course about intent and about not sitting down and playing something you already know really well um, and then it, it struck me that okay actually quite a lot of the things in my practice routine I already know really well so am I talking out my ass is that complete nut-a horse well no actually you have to drill down be- beneath the surface of that a little bit and I realise I do work on things I was playing this earlier on that's a really old one of mine um but it was more about okay it's not about the notes at some point it's not about the notes it's about maybe it's the fingering with the with the right hand the, the, how you're picking it how you're articulating it the sound the time the feel like it can be a familiar set of notes but it's the intent with which you play those notes and how you challenge yourself with them um that, that really counts i think and it's like we could all go out and run a 5k together and some people could make it as easy as they like and some people could make it as hard as they possibly can we'd all still be running the same route same distance same basic ability to put one foot in front of the other so we got to uh, apply that to the instrument and right now I had had some intention to play some linear stuff but i got to say now I hear these chords through the microphone of the zoom always interesting this part of my week doing the podcast and hearing the bass totally differently We put one ear on one ear off with the headphones oh that's weird <laughs> it's so weird but it does feel nice and bright through the through the zoom h6 here and i'm kind of feeling working on some chords Thank you. been working on a new set of chord changes actually maybe I should uh, um, get that in the looper here Sound quite angular and awkward in places, I guess. going to find the right feel. Um, How to go from A-flat minor here to A7? give it a shot uh one, two, three, and- mm-hmm. great monitoring through the headphones yeah but kind of going on from the last episode where i was talking about changing keys uh more effortlessly i guess that's what i'm that's what i'm moving into here so f minor to e flat seven to get to a flat minor so it's all five one five one um but the from the one to the next five is not necessarily in any kind of pattern. I start an F minor, go down a whole step to hit E, E flat seven. Go, so that's five to one, A flat minor seven, then I go up a half step to hit A7 to get to D minor. D minor nine here, for instance. And then I'm going down a whole step to get to A uh, to get to C7. To our root in F. Interesting. Okay. Um, also, uh, what I, what I kind of dig doing as well is once I get a chord sequence like that, I, I kind of want to develop that and get a melody to it, and let's see if that's the. Workings of an idea, a phrase, or a song, or something. But once I have this this chord sequence, so I've got F minor to E E flat seven, for instance here. Um, then I try and kind of break that up, like elongate the harmony, stretch the harmonic rhythm, just by playing inversions, just by playing inversions of triads, really simplifying the harmony. No sevenths, no tensions really. Just one, three, five. Um, uh, whoops. To A flat minor and all different places of, of uh, uh, actually of, of resolving from the five to the one. So I quite like that one. That is a big old stretch. That one right there. So we could go uh, five to one. Yeah, absolutely. Not the not the nicest of resolutions actually, but but I like that one actually. So so going from the second inversion triad, that's E flat root, first inversion, second inversion, and then second inversion E flat five going to A flat minor one, but in first inversion. So it's kind of like a B six. actually just a first inversion of an a flat minor triad so i quite like that sound and then i'm into the three um positions of a flat there so instead of going root first inversion second inversion i'm going first inversion root second inversion okay let's get this reverb sound a little nicer i think let's try that um We need to get to A, Ooh, A7. could do oh we could do all the diminished versions of that as well (laughs) now we're talking so f and e-flat which would be uh, uh, did i just balls that right up no i got it right e-flat seven so we play diminished off the uh off the flat nine the major third the fifth and the flat seven to make our five to one okay yep (laughs) Uh, then what's our next one? Is uh A7. So we can go.
1: Uh,
0: they're all kind of based off the same diminished here. That's interesting. Computer just went to sleep. Okay. Um So it's interesting that I managed to pick I managed to pick dominant chords that are all based off of the same diminished so in the sequence f minor to e flat seven e flat seven we can play diminished off the flat nine so eg of the third and the fifth on b flat and the flat seven on d flat okay that's our five going to one which is a flat minor now i picked a nut my next one is uh a seven so again if you think flat nine major third fifth And, uh, oh, so no, that's not, is it? Uh, Oh, it is, yeah, absolutely it is. So, flat nine, major third, fifth, flat seven, B flat, C sharp, E, and G diminished, uh, now going to D minor. And my next one was C seven. Again, flat nine, major third, fifth, and flat seven. All the same notes. It's all E, G, B flat, and C sharp. So I managed to randomly fit. randomly find uh one. How many? How many? Uh one, two, three. Randomly find three uh maybe it wasn't so random. Maybe it was just so ingrained in my brain that I instinctively went to three dominant chords that I could use the same diminished shapes around but I like finding things like that um, because it gives me so many more options then so F minor to E flat kind of straight like triad or F minor to the diminished first three chords so it makes a little more sense so um, F minor to E-flat triads Um, and there's our destination A-flat minor now let's do it with diminished so F minor diminished starting on E still going to that A-flat minor
1: very cool
0: And it is freezing cold in California. God damn it. Oh, my hands are cold. Having Even having practiced earlier. But then I took a break and watched some Formula 1. I don't know if I have any Formula 1 fans uh, listening. Um, but, dude, spoiler alert. If you're a Formula 1 fan, you haven't seen the Sakari Grand Prix already this weekend. You might want to pause this podcast right now. Because I'm about to... Give away all the, all the details. But uh, heartbreak for Russell. Heartbreak for George Russell. Unbelievable. Wrong set of tires. So fuck up in the pit lane. They got the wrong tires on. Got to make second pit stop for a puncture. And he goes from second place with the potential. I mean, he was leading the Grand Prix for so long. Goes from second place with the potential to actually win it. Uh, I think he could have got past Checo if, um, if he didn't have that puncture. And I'm happy for Checo after all these years and amazing he doesn't have a seat on the grid for next season and he just won his first Grand Prix and I think is a good driver, even though he came from the world of paid, paid drivers. Even Lance Stroll, I hate to admit it, <laughs> in third place. Was that his sec- second or third podium this season? Jesus. And This is Mr. Son of the Boss, Captain Nepotism here. Actually driving the car pretty well. Who knew? Call for Esteban Ocon to get on the on the scene. A little clumsy from Leclerc in the first first lap. Verstappen out, kind of robbed us of a uh, of a of a of a tight race there. I think I would. I think I would have preferred to see like Checo and Verstappen and Russell and Valtteri like having a good. Good kind of smash through the, through to, at the front, you know those four, and then maybe being challenged by a bunch of people. But yeah, and the lapping thing. I figured they were going to get at least two laps. The front runners in front of the the back markers with the safety car. Everything kind of bunched up again. Anyway, I'm a bit of an F1 fan. In case you haven't noticed. So sometimes on Sundays during the season, I will lapse into. <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> I don't give a fuck.
0: Kind of a nice way to feel, I gotta say. evidence by my <laughs> lack of voicing <laughs> It's amazing the lack of uh, articulation, facility and articulation you have when your fingers are a little cold. Maybe I should start. Actually, i got to rerun my warm-up routine from earlier. Oh, dear. Oh, excuse me. Oh, dear. Um,
1: what was I doing? Something
0: like this? Maybe I should change it up, do something different for a second war- warm-up of the day.
1: Dive into a super
0: old favorite. Let's get rid of the reverb for this. This may be a little
1: quick. I'm gonna
0: get in the center three strings, A, D, and G strings. It's a little uh, little more work to play it um, uh, in the lower register of the instrument, thicker strings, um, on a lower string set rather, I'm still playing high, like starting above the 12th fret, you know, 15, 16, 17th fret, somewhere up there uh, as a starting point, instead of. I'm sure you hear the change in brightness between this and this. It's a little easier to play on that. Obviously, you know, uh, lighter gauge string in the top. So good for the warm-up. Yet another layer of the warm-up to kind of challenge yourself is to challenge yourself playing on thicker part of the, 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 a thicker gauge of of string set. So.
1: So it's a little
0: more work to manhandle the strings. Hmm. Maybe a little slower as well. Go for detail here. Detail and fluidity, I think. I'll try and give myself a couple of words uh, towards the beginning of a practice session. Okay, what am I going for here? Okay, so maybe detail, fluidity, or clarity, or relaxation. Just a couple of key words. They don't have to be uh, right in the forefront of my consciousness throughout my time spent with the instrument just, just to get me going, just to get me started down the right path. I'll often um, think in those terms, like a couple of key words. Computer goes to sleep again. Okay, let's go here. Okay, not bad, not bad. I could slow it down even more, maybe start a little higher as well still on the same string set still on g d and a uh if you're not aware i tune my bass e a d g c so the outer strings will be the low e and the high c and i'm using the middle uh the center three strings as my string set for this exercise
1: i believe this
0: exercise by the way hey quick uh, shameless plug here is in Oh, is it two five one? Jazz vocabulary for electric bass. Two five one. Uh, I think it's in that book.
1: But just either way,
0: you should be able to hear this. That it's just an outline of a two five. Just transcribe it straight from this podcast and rip it off. Add it to your routine. Oh see shall we if I can find I'll show you I'll give you an idea of exactly where I first heard that Um, I think it's gonna be in here is it not yes it is come on there's a little green dot on it to signify nope nope So this is Michael Brecker. Uh, He's explaining some something else, not the the thing I was looking for, but it's a great clinic, live clinic, live in Italy. Uh, In which year? Actually, I'm I'm not sure of the year. Um, And he is absolutely burning on this one. Hey babe, what's up? No. I'm just recording a podcast. What's happening?
1: 20 minutes later.
0: Alright, we are back. Dog was reverse sneezing. That is never fun. It always sounds far worse than it is. Mm -hmm. But he needed a little attention. All good now. And I can go on and try and find this. Try and find this Michael Brecker thing. I don't know if I'm going to find it. But basically it was this clinic that I heard that. Kind of out in the open. I'd heard it a lot of times. You know, this not, is not an uncommon phrase, right? This is pretty pretty standard two-five-one outline. You you outline the, all the chord tones of a, of a two chord. In this case, E flat minor. So five minor three one flat seven. You go to your five chord. You hit the third, the fifth, the flat seven, and eventually the nine. And down in half steps. But it's this thing that might have. My hands are actually a little warmer now, so. Uh, I'm afraid there is too much noise from the frets. Damn it, because I'm so close to the mic. And you're not hearing the clarity out of the amp. But the idea is, you know, when a saxophone player plays that, it's so legato. And you can really create like a, this thick, this dense wall of sound. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can get it up to the kind of velocity that mic is. up.
1: I think there's some stuff,
0: that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's see. He's, he's explaining. Okay, so that's that. So that's just a, a four note cell thing. I don't really want to do it legato like that. I'd like to be able to play it with the fingers, articulate it or kind of make the overall phrase sound legato. That one's really tough on the bass. That's something I uh, actually this in from practice to performance. That's something I've been listening to Mike do for years since the since I first started listening to Mike Brecker. Um so, like a, a classic four note cell of his, uh, Coltrane used that as well. Like, so, so many people have used that Steve Grossman, Dave Lehman, uh, a whole bunch of different people. Um. Ah. that easy okay I should stop getting ahead of myself I'm not I'm not as warm as I would like to kid myself
1: (laughs) so back to back
0: to warm-up slash maintenance slash reality check important to maintain the same articulation at a slow tempo like this as you're going to use at the higher tempo, I think. If the velocity thing is your goal. Obviously stuff at different tempos gets articulated different ways, but if you're trying to get something up to speed, um, and you have kind of a goal of a top tempo in mind, that is, uh, it's going to be really useful that you practice the, the exact articulation of the slower tempo that you're going to try and wind it up to eventually. Oh, now I have my Michael Brecker folder open and I'm just seeing all these concerts that I want to listen to back to back, basically. I'd be here for several weeks. Jeez, um, all these tales from the Hudson Band shows. Oh, do I dare even... This is in Philly. So, yeah, a, a bootleg MP3 behind a mic going into... A, yeah, it's not exactly the most
1: uh,
0: um, high-end presentation of this music for you guys. But but it is kind of typical of, like, my practice routine. and just, like, diving into a folder, opening something up, and seeing if seeing if there's something in there that will that will you know um motivate me or inspire me to to go do maybe a transcription or to work on a time field thing or yeah just anything um at least right now i know my fingers are cold the less i talk the more i play the better my situation's gonna be mm <laughs> Way back,
1: all the good stuff.
0: <laughs> Oops, still a good warm up. Shit, all these years later, I don't know when, I can't even remember the year I wrote that book now. All the good stuff, but this is the first exercise from that like the warm up. Still a good one. Gotta remember my breathing. It's important to know that this is not legato, this is not just holding a chord and letting it ring out because that means the left hand, yes it's applying tension, it's applying pressure um, because of you have to, to to make the chord sound, but what it's not doing is applying pressure and then releasing it and applying it and releasing it to make that staccato sound and that to me is the, the subtle squeezing in the left hand is what gets the blood moving and kind of gets me warmed up initially at least this is like that's like a really cold day thing just making one chord shape i used a diminished chord you can use anything you want as long as it's as long as it's using all four fingers on the left hand minor nine major seven
1: Uh, one finger stuff. Ah. Uh, on one string.
0: Uh, whoops. good position shift exercise, actually.
1: Uh. Uh. Uh.
0: Ah, that was an old one of mine. Ah, nice fi- finding and remembering old ones. So what is this, triads, minor triads, and then Diminish. if I put this in a book yet actually I must have
1: done
0: if you have one of my books and you recognize this exercise and you are and Jesus so you've got to comply with a lot of you got to check a lot of boxes here. if you have the book if you recognize the exercise and you're watching on YouTube and can leave a comment leave a comment let me know remind me of where i put that in a book and if i didn't and that's awesome, maybe it's uh, some new some material to go in a, in a later release ah now can i do it around a cycle of force so doing all 12 keys hmm. I
1: hope so. <laughs>
0: There's that thing of you know if you can play it in one key on a bass, uh, you can generally play it anywhere on the instrument. It's not. It's not quite as easy as that. That is kind of half true, I think. Especially depending on the register, the string height, the string tension, all kinds of things that go into that, depending on where you are on the neck. Um, I'm experimenting with different fingerings now.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, some, I think the the zero fret needs some work.
1: Actually, somewhere in there.
0: And did I start in C? I don't
1: know.
0: I think I did. So that's okay. All twelve keys. Not bad. Not bad at all. Oh, give the fingers a good stretch. They're actually starting to feel warm. When I rub my hands together, they actually feel warm rather than like two blocks of ice, which is moving in the right direction here.
1: Thank you.
0: Something I don't sometimes, you just gotta go for it and uh, see what's up. Apparently, (laughs) nothing was up. Also, want to figure out the tone on the reverb, make sure it's not too ringy or clangy. Interesting. Resolution exercise from Choral Harmony. It's a good one. Uh, it'd be good if I could remember how to do it. And then make sure I get Lyddy in there. And that's something uh, that highlights, you know, how it is easy once you know something in one key to play it in every key, but not quite so much. And especially when it's a half step away as well. So G.
1: Whether that's just a feel thing
0: because we play in G more than we play in E flat, perhaps, but to then go do it a half step away in A flat. Uh, uh, see? Making silly mistakes. Just reminds me, always need to keep working on this stuff to keep it keep It uh, kind of available, right? Wow, come on! So basically, I'm suspending four to three, five, uh, five to four, etc., etc., going all the way up the major scale, in tenths. so like the 11 to the 10, whether that be. Uh, yeah, the only one where it's funky is the is the uh, tritone one there. When we go Lydian, the rest are just straight up 11s and Whether they suspend, uh, whether they resolve to a major or a minor is the only real big difference. Yeah, the half step thing. Interesting. Needs more work for sure. So we do it B. What is that? That uh, tritone. Wow. <laughs> so bad. There we go. Yeah, the, the, the fingers go a little bit on autopilot to the wrong place. Autopilot to the wrong destination. Jesus. Ah. a flat always good to mix it up don't just keep going uh, up in half steps that you get vaguely used to b but don't forget what a struggle it was for a flat for instance so instead of going up to c next, go back to a flat and see how see how kind of dialed in that one still is okay not bad now let's go to c which would have been our next one What easy common key perfect, stick, perfect execution. God damn it, not good.
1: So let's see how we do
0: in D flat. Okay, good. My C, my D flat's as good as my C. I'll take it now. I need my B to be as good as my G, and uh,
1: might be, might be really in business.
0: Who knows? I might uh, might do something with this bass playing thing one day. <laughs> Actually, this vocalizing thing helps as well, for sure. Was that D yet? Because even though I'm a shitty singer, obviously... Um, it it kind of informs where the next melody note is so that helps because i do have a good connection between the voice and the instrument so that's definitely helping i'm not saying that's going to help right away if if you haven't worked on singing and playing at the same time but uh just an observation as i practice it now that that is actually helping me
1: Uh, Uh, let's try some E. Uh,
0: apart from the um, uh, unintentional clunk there, that wasn't so bad. Dialed into the overall sound and shape of it now because the quote unquote tougher keys are coming in pretty accurately, a lot more rapidly. Nah <laughs> right, yeah, right up until I fuck it up. I gotta get that Lydian.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Basically done the whole octave now.
1: Yeah. loose the fingers
0: off, shall we? Uh. Well that was a horrible loop. God damn it. Pop, pop, pop. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so forcing, forcing's issue. Fuck. Um, sorry.
1: <laughs> um,
0: trying to work that idea in the 2 5 thing. <sighs> Not working the so way I wanted, but getting slowly towards that kind of wall of sound thing with well, just the density. <laughs> trying to find the destination point as well it's all very well playing like a wash of notes like a big flurry of notes but you want some context you want some uh uh, framework to be able to get to and from the tension to get out to the tension and then to release it back to the home so we're in g minor here like that i mean i just went what was that i went kind of e major over g minor there but i knew i wanted to get back to something kind of insidey maybe pentatonic so just something inside the key like a nice resolution point a nice melodic resolution point so i'm really in control of the melody notes the destinations excuse me coming out of the tension so that's really important especially when you're getting into big kind of dense washes of sound like this so where are you going to end what's your target note right there was the minor third
1: because
0: i can get back inside from that i can set target notes of the natural seven
1: because
0: i know I can feel that that's a five sound waiting to happen and that's gonna it's a great way to to, to identify okay we're going home here we're going five to one so you see i'm heading towards that that minor third listen for the minor third at the end of whatever comes before it it could just be uh, the
1: end. That's a note. There it is down up, <laughs>
0: Uh, and baby, i'm do be am trying to play triplets eventually so so if the meter's here, one, two, three, four, baby, doobie, Just take out the take out the pitches, for instance, like dagger, 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 deadlit. So it's da 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 That's that's the next step up in like the rhythmic density scale to go from eighth notes to eighth note triplets. So bam, 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 bam. Dat- Dat- wow, I can't da 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 dig de de dig de dig da dig iddle dig de dig da d da 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 d da 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 d d da 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 Diddle-de-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-ada-da-da-da da 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 did not anticipate using that vocalization when I woke up this morning, but that's it. And because it's um because it's a group of uh uh
1: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven,
0: eight, because it's an eight-note phrase, or you know, phrases of four.
1: One, two, three, four, one, two, three, 4, When
0: you start to phrase that in triplets, then it starts to get a, a little dense. But it's not like you're just playing completely out of time and just playing uh, kind of faster, uh, with no, with no sort of awareness of where the time is. The idea is to play, um, and that actually sounds, let me get the metronome going, cause that just sounds like I'm changing time. So let me go with, um, Uh, I'll do it on all four B's. So we'll make it really clear here. So we'll go eighth notes phrased in four to the same phrase, but in triplets, eighth note triplets. So,
1: and...
0: Ah! I've got to get the timer. Uh, wow damn i haven't done this in a while Wow, it's much, again, proving that it's much more difficult to do it at a slower tempo. Um. <laughs> 제 부대 부대
1: I gotta
0: say, it's so hard to get away from that hard to get away from that from playing that style of music playing melodically improvising yeah i use air quotes there. improvising i don't know how much of that is improvised right now but it feels i don't know if it's because it's like i've been doing it so long obviously feels easy to get to i'm obviously motivated for some strange fucking reason i don't know to keep playing that way Otherwise, I'd shut the fuck up and move on to something else. Which I really am trying to do. It's crazy. Again, I come back to this, this thing of... Um, oh, man. What is that hum that's going on? You hear that? Wow, I apologize. I only, only, it's only because I picked up the microphone that I realized that shit was happening. Um, that's a drag. Sorry about that, guys. Maybe I'll try and lose that in the mix. I doubt it. I doubt I'm going to miss this at all. Um what was I saying? Yeah, just uh, being able to leave that behind is super tough. It goes back to that thing I I think I've talked about it before where I was uh I was in the UK, I think with Wayne Kranz. and uh we were sitting there having lunch and he's like, "Man, you're really close." I was like, "What do you mean?" He said, "You're really close to leaving it all behind." And like striking out. And doing something new. Christ. That was in. Fuck when was that? (laughs) It was like eight years ago or something. I still haven't. I still haven't figured it out. I don't think. Was that eight years ago? Christ. I don't know when it was. Maybe it was way longer than that. I don't remember. Um, But yeah. That's. That's what's on my mind. That's what's going on with all the pedals. That's what's going on with some of this stuff. I'm writing. um, That has more of a. More of an ambient vibe. Been working on this thing. It's I mean it's still blowing and it's still melodic in places. But it's a different sound. the phrasing is different i think that's helped by the sound like the phrasing is totally different not totally but it's significantly different um i always have this eames chair here and i always think why the hell don't i sit down in an Eames chair to do the podcast because it's so freaking comfortable so for the last few minutes of this podcast that's exactly what i'm going to do for the first time in god knows how many hundreds of episodes uh way better yeah so that's that's what's going on that's like uh that's the where I'm at. Uh, it sounds so stupid. That's where the struggle's at, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, it's not a struggle. It's um, internal struggle, not real life struggle. But one nonetheless, I guess, uh, if we're talking about music and we're talking about the process and how we all get to that, and I'm sure plenty of us, you, me, everyone, face similar things uh, along the way in terms of wondering what the hell we should do next, or perhaps we've been doing the same thing for too long. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, speaking into the void here, but I I think I've I've spoken to enough people um, to where I've heard that before, like, okay, what's next? And, um, And it's really fucking evident with some people who just never question that at all. They're just like, nope, this is it, I've found it. I'll do this forever. And so they have been doing for decades and they play the same solo every time. And they have the same kind of sounding tunes on the same kind of sounding records every time It's weird. you know, who I'm talking about. I don't need to name names. You can probably insert names right there that I haven't even thought of. But think about that. Like think about people who do like almost exactly the same thing every single time they go on stage. And it's like, I guess, a balance, right, between, like, you have an audience and the audience likes that. It's like, if you're Phil Collins, you, are you really going to go and not play, you know, In the Air Tonight or Susudio or, or any of that? Like, it's not, you know, Sting has to play Every Breath You Take and, and Roxanne and those tunes, right, every time he goes on stage. I wonder how that is. If you can't keep writing hits, Right. If your hits are like 40 years ago, I don't know, when was Every Breath You Take? When was that police record? Late 70s, early 80s, that's almost 40 years ago. And it's still the biggest song. You know, it's not like he had standout hits in the last 15 years. Or Phil Collins or any of those big pop stars. So that's kind of crazy that you... And then you have to do that. Like, I've seen major acts... Go and play shows where they didn't play their biggest song just because they were pissed, you know, that the the, the other, the new shit wasn't taking off. And I've seen them do that. And I've been in the audience when the audience is looking at each other, like, why the fuck didn't they play the song that we all came here to see and hear? Like, let's face it, yeah, great, you make new records, whoopty fucking do. We came to hear that one song, you know, that song, why the fuck you didn't play it, you know? And then you've got like, but then you've got other artists who manage to do that record after record after record. Shit, man, Maroon Five shows, like my my buddy Jimmy V, and the gang. uh, You go to one of their shows and it's like nonstop hit records, one after the other. It's like an hour and a half of top ten hits, quite often platinum and number one hits. It is fucking insane. Like they don't stop. They don't stop making massive, massive songs. So, yeah, I wonder what that's like. Obviously, I'm not anywhere close to any of those people I've just mentioned. But in, the, in terms of wanting the evolution to happen and wanting to do something new and for it, to, I guess, to be uh, – for it to resonate, for it to hit home with the audience and for the audience to want to keep coming out to see you do the new thing. I wonder what's different there with jazz from pop and maybe it's the, maybe it's the moment right you you know if you're coming to a show that the like if you're coming to one of my shows for instance I'm, I'm pretty sure you know at this point that no matter what we play in terms of melodies and songs from previous albums um, we're generally going to create something brand new that night that will never happen will never have happened before and will probably never happen the same way again um, if we do try and make it happen the same way again and in, in an improvised sense we are really barking up the wrong tree i remember this in um was it 2009 we did two long-ish tours with my band and both tours both tours same band right it was me and jojo on drums jojo Mayer, ollie Rockberger and Odin varga on trumpet and we did one tour well, the first one was kind of short, I think, a couple of weeks. And the second one was longer, more like a month or something. And on the first one, we had some real moments. And we started, it was like early days of like recording our gigs. I think Ollie was doing it on an iPod or something. But either way, we had the music to listen back to. And not only did we have it like every night to listen back to, which wasn't so much of a factor on the first tour because we were just knackered and we were traveling. We didn't really have time. But in that gap between the first tour and the second tour that year. There was like a few months gap. Um, we tried so desperately on the second tour to get back to that place we had been in on the first tour, and it was awesome. It was like monumental on that first tour. We we found these moments that we'd never found before, and it, we were just really, really firing on all cylinders every night, and it was great. It was one of those... One of those moments, one of those runs where you just you kind of keep keep hitting it every night and finding new stuff. But when we came to try and do that, like the first couple of shows I remember really vividly of the second tour of that year. And we got backstage after the first one and Jojo's was like, yeah, we're trying too hard, you know. We're trying to get back to the fucking first tour and it's bullshit, you know. are trying too hard, forcing the issue, you know. That's a terrible JoJo impression. But that was what he said. That was his sentiment. And it was like, yeah, we need to just shut up and play, you know, Stop, forget about this shit and try new music. And, yeah, fuck, you know. And within, like, two nights, we had completely flipped it and we were on a totally different trajectory and we're not thinking about the previous tour. But it was like, we, we, it's, it's a tough trap to fall into. Once you find something that really works and audiences start going fucking mental and they're like, they're talking about it and they're coming back a second night and they're telling people in the next city and you're selling out shows and it's going really well. And then you sort of get caught up in that. And uh, yeah, when you try and get back to it and you force it, it's kind of fatal. Um, And that I think was also. one of the downsides of ha- not having very much of a structured show, like we didn't have set lists that we played. We didn't have a clear plan of... It was just like, okay, let's see how we feel each night. And the first time out, it really worked um, because it was everything was so fresh. And I think... I'm not sure. Was that, that... Yeah, that must have been 2009, so... Didn't really have that much material. Only two albums out and... Getting ready to make the space in between the following year, so I had a few fragments getting ready for that, but nothing really cemented. So it was super improvised and not really structured at all. And I'm not a massive fan of structure, I must say. Um, but when I think back to some like more recent Bob Reynolds tours, where it's we're definitely playing from a book of music, and it's at a point in Bob's career where he has ten or more albums out, and we all know the material inside out. We play, we can play a much more structured show and present something that is guaranteed pretty much to leave the audience feeling like, okay, we got something here. Now, do we get to some special moments in that? Absolutely. And are there some wild cards? For sure. That's the shit that leaves the audience thinking, whoa, we heard something special tonight. But with that, with the ability to have some structure there, I think we sort of up the percentage rate the success rate on never leaving the audience shortchanged and i think on my earlier tours although it happened very very rarely and not even an entire show but maybe a song did a certain part of the set didn't go that well i don't think we ever left an audience feeling like oh shit what did we just pay for but there was definitely more potential for total disasters on stage um because it was so much more open and I, i dig that i definitely dig that um it's interesting reading a Lyle Mays interview recently about how in depth they went into the presentation of those Pat Metheny group shows and how much it was structured like a company and they really worked on everyone's strengths. And it was they thought about performance and they thought about lighting and the sound and how to write songs for the band. And it was so, so structured every night. And still amazing to listen to. Like I saw that band so many times. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, it wasn't like it sucked. It wasn't like it was overproduced. They just did a really good job of that production. Um, I kind of thrive more on the opposite side of that. And having immensely high-functioning improvisers on stage to work with. Knowing that no matter what's going on, we can all make music out of absolutely nothing. Like, literally, one person can play one note and we can build a symphony out of that for an hour. Like, that's the kind of level of musician I like to be on stage with. Um, no weak links. And that's what I think I had in those bands back, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I was touring a lot with my own group with Jojo and sometimes Ollie Rockberger, sometimes Tim Miller. I shouldn't have left this to the end of the podcast, but I will make a better announcement of it on. On the social media's web, interweb thingies, um, that a concert, two nights actually, from Barcelona from back in 2011, which kind of they were, they've been on Bandcamp for a while, but they never really got like the proper release from back in 2011. So those just became available to stream on Spotify. Um, and that's the band with Tim Miller on guitar, Odin Varga, and Jojo Mayer. So if you want to hear kind of what I'm talking about, what I have been talking about for the last 10 or 15 minutes, that is a good example of that, where it's low structure in terms of we are playing some music from space in between at that point. Um, So we're playing the space in between the song. We're playing To Begin, uh, a version of Next. There's some Stern Look from Live at the 55 Bar. Um, A couple of things you might recognize if you know my music a little bit. And just a good example of how much we stretch and can, could stretch as a band at that point. I'm sure we could do it again if we went out on the road. But yeah, how confident I think we all were in each other to go really in any direction. Harmonically, melodically, rhythmically, tempo-wise, feel-wise, we would change things at, at a moment's notice. More in the vein of kind of Wayne Krantz and the way he has all those crazy tempo changes and stuff and meter changes, whatever. Um, just how loose that trio is you know, Krantz um, Lefave Carlock, that thing just or just the way Keith writes music obviously not in that style but kind of conceptually a little bit like that and also coming from playing in Jojo's band a whole lot in Nerve there we have some tempo change things um, in there, metric modulation things that we employed in my band a little bit and played a couple of Jojo's tunes as well which was super fun, so Check that out. It's called Live in Barcelona. It will be... you have to go back down my discography a little bit because I set it as the original release date, which was around April 2011, which was, I think, or somewhere around there, shortly after we did those shows, I put that bootleg up. So that's on Spotify. I think it'll be on Apple Music as well, but it was definitely on Spotify when I checked this morning. That's a recent release. Got a nice cover from Chelsea, and uh, it's out there. It's four... It's over four hours with the music. It's four sets over two nights live in Barcelona in 2007. So give that a spin if you want to check out kind of what what I'm talking about, being loose, trusting in the musicians on stage and kind of the concept that I employed for those few years of touring with that band. Um, and that's it. It's been nice sitting in the chair. Shit, if I didn't have to play a little bit during the podcast, I'd sit in this chair and just relax and talk on the podcast. All right, if you're watching on YouTube, comments below... Um, I guess I don't know. That didn't go so well the last time I read some comments. But let's let's see, let's see, and I'll see you guys, uh, guys and girls of the base world, in a few days.